Hey everyone, this is Jeff Ellis of the Locked on Indians podcast. We have a, a guest uh, here for today's show to talk about the Angels. It's been a while since we had a guest on here. Rather than uh, you know me dive into things, uh, Derek, do you want to tell them you know, what you're from and uh, kind of give them the bona fides for this one? Well, I'm Derek C. Apollo. I am the co-host of the Angels podcast, Talking Halos. And we're here to talk to some Angels and Indians, man. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a big series for both teams as uh, you know, the Indians are trying to make up ground while holding on to their wild card spot and the uh, the Angels still, I, even though they had a quiet deadline, um, I still would have wild card aspirations at this point. Um, when you have Mike Trout, you should always have playoff aspirations in my opinion. Um, the, uh, the Angels have had uh, a lot of injuries, tragedy, so much has gone on with this team this year. Um, as you've watched them, uh, you know I know you're further away, uh, but you're still paying attention. Like, what has stood out with this team this year? What do you think Indians fans should know about the Angels? Is there some players that are standing out, or performances, or anything in particular that have, have has really caught your attention throughout this year? Oh well, there's the obvious Mike Trout. That's the <laughs> that's the big one. Um, he can carry a team. He is, he's, he's, he is, how do I even say it? Because believe it or not, Trout's been getting some criticism this year from the home fan base a little bit because he's had numerous little mini slumps throughout the year. But overall, his numbers are still among the best in the league. He, I think, has been pressing a little bit since Tyler Skaggs passed away. I've seen him lifting the ball more, trying to take a little more on his shoulders, and I think that's hurt him in some cases, especially in the last seven games. Overall, though, it's always about Mike Trout. Shohei Otani, especially in, in games against right-handed hitters, has been very good at hitting behind him. But if you're looking for a spark club, uh, it's not, gee, not a spark club, what am I saying? Spark plug in the lineup for the Angels is David Fletcher, who pretty much plays anywhere. He has very little power overall, but he is he's become a, a huge part of how they play the field. Uh, but Usually he's at the top of the lineup, very rarely really put him down the bottom, but he's just hitting everywhere, and he's coming through in big situations. And so when you're talking about the Angels and where they're at, you have your big names, but little David Fletcher is the guy who I think right now is kind of a spark plug on the top of that lineup. Awesome. Good to, good to know. Um, so back in May, I was kind of doing a series of uh, potential deals that would make sense for Trevor Bauer before the eventual one came together. And I talked about the Angels as an interesting team um, because of the fact that they had some players that I was really intrigued by who were performing really well. So uh, those guys in particular were Tommy LaStella and Brian Goodwin, who um, Angels fans became mad at me because within two weeks of that podcast, both of them went on the disabled list. But, uh, you know, I talked a lot about LaStella, and I know he's currently hurt, but if you could just talk about his explosion, um, you know, what you've heard about how he changed things to, to basically, uh, before that injury, become a, an all-star. His swing. They altered his swing, got tucked in a little closer into his body where he wasn't coming out more, and that changed everything on the swing. And he was even hitting for average. At one point early in the year, he was around 230, 235, got hot immediately in combination with that power, we saw him go all the way up into the 300s before he got hurt. Huge loss for the Angels, by the way. Overall, in that lineup, it's, it really kind of changed things 
in several different ways at the plate. It changed how they operate in the field. It forced the Angels to be more flexible. But going back to Lestella, it was always his swing. We've seen a couple different hitters this year change their swing uh, to improve. We know Matt Tice, um, the, the rookie, going into 2018 last year, had a completely different swing than he has now, and it's really brought out his power game. The Angels are making some serious they're making some serious development changes, I think, in the actual organization, and it's coming to the better, at least for hitters. Um, I think the they made a, a small deal at the deadline, adding uh, Max Stassi to come in. Jonathan Lucroy was a, they was one of the free agent signings that had a rough year. Uh, former Indian Cody Allen was another one, I believe. Uh, with them trying to figure things out, I feel like, I mean, is it dating back to like? Jeff Mathis. Uh, when you have, uh, when was the last time that there was a reliable catcher that uh, the Angels had that was able to sit back and produce for them? Benji Molina. Uh, Benji Molina, and it kind of bothers me a little bit now, looking at the years that have passed, and Jeff Mathis and both, uh, yeah, Jeff Mathis and Mike Napoli came up right about the same time. They're you know, supposed to be the future of this team, the catcher position, and then both moved on to have successful careers elsewhere. This is a big loss in terms of what this franchise has needed over the years, and we've seen catchers come and go. Even now, we just had this conversation in social media today about the catching position. It's one of the major weaknesses right now within the Angels Farm organization. There are a couple interesting-looking guys, Jack Kruger, but it's – outside of starting pitching the weakest position right now in the Angels farm system and I think that's why they went and got Stassi he's got three years of control and it buys them a little bit of time to try and get that position taken care of I have to say when you were talking about that I immediately had flashbacks to uh, to the Mike Napoli for Vernon uh, Wells deal and yeah. how even then as, as it was so long ago it's like I don't understand this deal on any like that still stands out as like one of the five worst trades that I've ever seen and that was from the moment they made it they gave up on those guys, on both Mathis and Napoli. I think Napoli, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, had a bit of an attitude there. Uh, but they both struggled early, and the Angels, to me, just didn't, how do I say it? They just weren't willing to commit to them long term. And uh, that's been a question mark for the Angels a lot over the last 10, 15 years. They tend to make decisions that are have... It's basically a flip of a coin. Some decisions are great ones. Obviously, locking up Mike Trout long-term is kind of a sweetheart deal. That's a great decision to make. Albert Pujols, hindsight being 2020, looking at his year prior, it might not have been a great decision to go after that. But C.J. Wilson, five years, $75 million, people say that was a a bad deal. And I look at it and go, no, they actually got their money's worth for him. So it's up and down with the Angels in terms of free agents. And... um, but they weren't willing to commit to one of their own at that time, and it's still a little foggy to me as to why they didn't do it. You know, when I look at the Angels right now, of course, outfield is, is an area that stands out um, because Trout's there, and Cole Calhoun has been such a, a producer for a while, and Justin Upton is you know someone they gave a lot of money to. And I mentioned Brian Goodwin, who's having a great year, and then we had the announcement today that you know super prospect Joe Waddell is, uh, is moving up to AAA. With Adele kind of on the doorstep now, long-term, where do you see him going? Is he going into left? Is he going into right? Do they, I mean, Trout is still a great defender in center, so I don't think that would be the case. But, you know, 
I don't know if Upton is a, a tradable commodity. Is Cole Calhoun become someone this offseason they maybe consider moving on from? Uh, it, it's a good problem to have outside of maybe Upton, uh, but it, it's they have so much depth at that position. And, and like I said, again, we, we saw today that Adele's getting that promotion. And uh, eventually, it's he's not Mike Trout. I want to say that now so I don't get in trouble, but it reminds me a little bit of like when Trout came up where we're still trying to find a level that challenges this kid. You know, at some point he's yeah. going to chat, be challenged. Um, it turned out with Mike Trout, there was no such level that didn't exist. Um, no one is Mike Trout again, but uh, his it's just such an impressive player who is going to be there next season at some point. I think it really depends on what the Angels are thinking in terms of service time. My bet is, oh man, we've been having this argument so much in the last. 24 hours with the trade deadline and, and Calhoun not moving and the team not really going out there and getting a pitching. My bet is he is the opening day right fielder. I believe they're going to move on from Cole Calhoun. He's got a, a pretty large um, option for next year. So what I'm saying is I think they're going to direct a lot of their money towards pitching this offseason and they're going to cost Cut elsewhere and I think Adele is pretty close to ready as it is. It just makes sense for him to just slide right in next year. Upton, you're not going to move. Upton's got too much money back-weighted into that contract. And unless they eat a ton of cash, he's not going anywhere. Which, it's sad because he's not being given a fair shake by many in the Angels uh, fan base right now because he has this turf toe injury and this turf toe injury if anybody's ever had turf toe you know you know flat out it's it's something it's impossible to walk it's impossible to walk and sometimes you'll feel fine and then you make a directional move and all of a sudden it's back again and it's it's definitely going to affect you at the plate it's going to affect you directionally running and we don't know even if he's still feeling it now but he's always been a streaky hitter this is basically the end of his spring training and he's been slumping and you can tell how much the guy cares. You, you you watch his body language. You know it's bothering him, and he's slumping so bad, and people are coming down hard on him as if he's not worth the cash anymore. Well, here's the truth. We don't know because we haven't seen him healthy all season. So for all we know, he could be taking a step back at age 31, or maybe he's just hurt and needs a little more time. We don't know. And so you're that's been kind of rough with him. He's, he's going to be hard to move on from, though, because his last year's contract is $28 million. How much do you think the combination of Upton's contract and Poolhouse's contract and that like $50 million is just like a lead weight on the franchise? Uh, it's to picture what they could do um, with, you know, it's, it's a, the offense is clearly in place. Like you can look at that and be like, okay, yes, catcher is an issue. First base is an issue. But everywhere else, I think they, they look pretty set to me um, as long as uh, Listella comes back healthy. So it's it feels like you get rid of the, I mean, you can't get rid of those players, but it feels like that money is really what's held them back for being able to add that pitching that they, they need to go out and get. Yes and no. I think if they had the right guy last offseason, they would have. They, they pursued three different guys. They pursued Patrick Corbin. They pursued Hop. And 
I forget the other one that slipped my mind, but they were willing to spend money on the made offers, but they got beaten those offers. And that's where the question is in terms of Billy Uplers. Can he close a deal for these pitchers? And there are, there's some belief that Artie Moreno is not willing to pay big money for pitchers. I think that's true in some ways because it's very rare for a, a free agent pitcher who's getting close to 29 to 30 years old to be worth the money long term. But in many cases, though, well, not many cases, but in some cases, like a Justin Verlander, that's worked out well. I think Garrett Cole is one of those guys, and I think it's a guy they're going to target. I think it's a guy they're going to throw a lot of money at. And I don't know if they'll close the deal. That's the big con- the concern is can Epler close the deal? But to say they're not trying um, or won't want to spend money because of those contracts really isn't true, but they are being more careful. I will say that. They've been much more careful in how they're spending money, especially under Epler. doesn't mean Epler won't spend money, as we saw with the Upton deal, but they're being much, much more careful. Yeah, until the uh, the Granky deal came out, I was kind of hoping for an Upton for Granky deal, just for the uh, some humor value there. It's like uh, <laughs> with Upton returning, and uh, I mean, obviously it cost a, a marsh plus more, but uh, I didn't think they would be able to get the return they got uh, just because of how much he made. And so I was looking for a deal like the Upton one, where teams could trade a huge salary for bad salary, but. Yeah, it's it, it, the outside observer looking in. It's like Canning is really interesting. Suarez is really interesting. Berea really interesting. But it, they just seem to have struggled in development. It, there's outside of recent years, there's just been uh, you know they traded Skaggs away before he came back, and I mean he was their best pitcher this year. And uh, Andrew Haney is kind of just been stuck in neutral it just seems that pitching development hasn't been an issue there is that something that is felt by the fan base yeah it is um in some cases it's not really fair to epler again you're you're talking to a guy who's had to do a lot of i mean even now if i open up my screen here i'm going to see about 30 notifications going back and forth arguing about epler and, and basically pitching and what people don't really realize is the Angels went for it early in the 2010s, you know, up through 2014. They really went for the World Series, and they blew out their farm. And when they brought Epler in, Epler was basically brought in to, to lead an organizational rebuild from top to bottom. And they were, the goal was also to do it on the fly, because you, know, you can't do what the Astros did in Southern California. It's just not going to work, especially when you have Mike Trout in your team. And you want to keep Mike Trout. He's a face of your franchise. You're not going to trade him away. So you have to try and win on the fly. And there are, there are to me, quite a few fans who don't really believe that and don't understand, or aren't willing to understand it or just they're just not grasping it. And through that process, they've had to go out there and really focus drafts and be careful with prospects. And little by little, slowly, they've rebuilt the farm system. It's not, it's not like it used to be. It used to be you know, 10, 15 years ago. This is the best farm system in the league, but they're respectable now. When they enter the year this year, they're ranked somewhere between 12 and 15 depending on the outlet. They're at 17 now because they've graduated a couple of different players. But the, the key guys that are coming up is the key thing that keeps coming up to me is these pitchers that you just mentioned, Griffin Canning, Jose Suarez, Jaime Berea. Berea struggled this year, and he probably should be ready. He had some great moments last year, but Suarez probably wasn't even supposed to be up this year at all. Probably had another year away. Canning, to me, was a guy they hoped to bring up late summer. Okay? And 
to me, he was brought up early. All these guys, Matt Tice over there at first and third base, brought up early. They didn't want to bring any of these guys up this year, Brian Hefo included. And due to some injuries, due to um, uh, losing Tyler, due to the free agent pitchers they signed not working out, they've had to draw on this farm system like they never had before. And I think in some ways has stunning their growth and hopefully long-term, depending on the coaching and fingers crossed for them, it'll help them grow. It's interesting to hear you say that there are people who don't appreciate what Epler's doing there. I can say as a, an outsider, when I look at it, it's like the healthiest the system's ever been and the, the drafts have turned great returns um, since he's taken over. So um, it's interesting to, to hear that. I mean, I guess it's everywhere you go. I'm sure to a lot of people, they think it's crazy that people here want to fire the front office in Cleveland. So I guess that's, you know, that's just fans uh, everywhere. But yeah, and the outside view, at least from my perspective, is that Epler has taken like the worst farm system in baseball and has been slowly through him and his scouts uh, building a respectable pipeline. I mean, some folks, well, we got spoiled. This team was so good for so long, almost the entire decade of the 2000s, and kept competing in 2012 and 2014. And I think that when you were a team like the Angels that did not do so hot in the 90s and had some struggles, some ups and downs, some really high ups, but also some downs in the 80s, you, you think all of a sudden we've arrived. You win that World Series in 2002, you've arrived, and you have this owner who will spend money. But at the core, you have to understand that a baseball club is not the NFL. In the NFL, you have, when opening day, when week one starts, you have 53 men in your roster, 46 active. And that's really it outside of your practice squad. But in a major league baseball club, yes, you have your 25 and then 40-man roster. But then you have a organization of 265-ish people that are funneling up through that organization over the course of time and they're going to impact you as time goes on. So I think people don't really get that in not some people. Because you have a lot of great fans. You have a lot of great fans who are who treat the Angels well, who are classy, who have supported this team through thick and thin, who were who actually got up and greeted the team late at night when the team came back from Texas in that road trip when Tyler died. Um, this is a really, really wonderful fan base, but with any fan base, and I mean any fan base, you're going to have some folks who don't understand the deepest aspects of the game. And with baseball, it's not about the 25-40 man. It's about the entire organization from top to bottom. Honestly, everything you just said could apply to the Indians as well. Uh Instead of being the early 2000s, it was the spoiling of the 90s and what people expect. But, yeah, as you're saying, they're speaking, I'm just like, oh, this is all very familiar to me. Well, I I think with the Indians, um, just being in Ohio, I I have some differing opinions and views on that. And I can't believe I forgot to ask about that for for my show. But uh, I guess we'll we'll talk again later on when the the Indians go out. But... um, you know, I look at the Indians and I think the front office there has just done an amazing job. I, I look at a team that is not really able or willing, and I have to be honest and say I don't know which, to spend I think both. money. I think it's both. 
And I also look at the fan base and go, guys, go watch a game because these Indians, you're so privileged to be able to see this team do what it does. And it's a, it's a little disheartening to see that I, I remember the Indians days of the mid-90s all the way to early 2000s when they sold out every game at home. And, and uh, this is a good baseball team. And I know there's some great Indians fans out there. Go see a game. Yeah, it's it. that's kind of my view. It's one of those things where the 90s were a unicorn, like um, – you just have to realize you're not going to have that many Hall of Famers in a lineup ever again. It's one of the like, ten greatest lineups in baseball history at peak, I think. Most people agree with that. That's not me just being a hyperbolic Indians fan. But, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely what we run into. There's just so much anger. And uh, it is sad. But, uh, yeah, I would say that uh, Dolan makes some comments that make it hard to support him. But, uh yeah, I think it's a that Joel Sherman had a, in one of his articles like a really damning quote about the Indians fan base um, about that it doesn't matter like other organizations are saying about the Indians that it doesn't matter what the Indians spend those fans won't go out like basically that other organizations view Indians fans as um, they're not going to support a good product anyway so why bother and I, I was like wow that's when other teams are saying that 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 shows just the big picture of what people think about how things are going in Cleveland, which is I don't really believe that though. I believe they. I believe that the people in Cleveland have a major problem with the current ownership of the team. And I remember when Dolan said, "You know, I'm not going to." Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, said that I am not going to pay for players until fans start showing up. That was years ago, and that kind of comment sticks with a, a fan base. Okay, and to me. You gotta do better than that. You gotta do better than that for your ownership. You have to. We know what this fan base is capable of. We've seen them. You know, they've supported this Browns team through. Oh my gosh, for twenty years now, garbage, garbage on the field for twenty some years now. And you're gonna tell me Indians fans are this? No, they're the same fans. You, as an owner, have ticked off your people. Do it. Start taking action to bring them back into the fold. No, I, I agree with that. It's. it's you know, it's, it's almost like a, a bad relationship. But I, 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 I don't think he is a necessarily horrible owner. I think uh, one could make a case that he could be considered the best owner in Cleveland in an odd way because he's the only one who's had consistency. But uh, the relationship is so toxic. And there are just points in time where I'm like, if we could get a new owner whose promises he'll keep the front office, I'm all for it. He doesn't even have to spend anymore. It just I feel like a change at the top would cause... Because even when they signed Edwin Encarnacion, made the biggest free agent splash of all time, mm-hmm. uh, after going to the World Series, attendance did not go up that year. I think it actually went down. So it's it's just it's, it's an unfortunate situation. But mm-hmm. I want to thank you for coming on, allowing us to talk about you know that deep things as well, and uh, really get into it. I appreciate it. Uh, you're more than welcome. Glad to do it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, why don't you tell them where to, to find you? I'm so bad about that. <laughs> if they want to, you know, find out more about the Angels, do some pre-reading or find out afterwards. All right. Well, first things first, I got to give two two shout outs here. Um, I am a visiting podcasting guy here. We have our podcast, Talking Halos, which is not on the Locked On Network. But you do also have the Locked On Angels podcast. Great guy, Taylor, Taylor Blake Ward. We are, I hear he's a little suspect. Yeah, he is, but go check that out as well. Our podcast is different, so hey, check ours out, too, when we're in town. Uh, we're talking Halos. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. I'm, I'm the rare guy. I'm a rare Angels fan that's transplanted into Ohio, so I'll be there this weekend, and 
great, you know, good, good to be at the field. A good time. Yeah, when you can see Trout and Lindor at once, that's kind of special. Yeah, seeing yeah. those two players on the field. Oh, well, yeah, Otani and Pujols, and yeah, there's a lot of stars out there this weekend. I didn't even think about those two. I was just, you're right. It's a, it's 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 a really good weekend to go to go out there and see some players. You know, players you can tell your grandkids about. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you again, and uh, this has been Jeff Ellis, the Lockdown Indians podcast. Uh, I always end by saying, "Go Tribe." All right, just give me one second, I'll... Yeah.